0: Welcome! You are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney-turned-alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. This show was created for courageous souls willing to step out of their comfort zone and design a new way of life. You'll gain inspired midlife wisdom from those who have done it as we share experiences, strategies, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Welcome to Magnetic Monday with Dawn. I am so thrilled to be here back with you. I was in uh, Nebraska for a couple of weeks. And I uh, really enjoyed that trip. Now I'm actually headed to Florida this week. So I've got some really cool things happening that I can't wait to tell you about. Today's topic is a really fun one. We are still in the second quarter of wealth and we are talking about work too related, right? And so the topic today is how to fall in love with your work to live in purpose and prosperity. And I think uh, we all want to do that. Number one. Um, I am doing it now, which is, is really exciting a point in my life to be, be able to be blessed to to do that uh, work that I love. That's part of my purpose and um, in prosperity. And the other thing is studies actually show we live longer uh, when we have purpose. So we know that is really important. And that actually is our third quarter topic. So uh, we're going to be talking going really deeply into purpose and meaning and how we can uh, really live our best life without being a big part of it. So today, uh, where I want to start, I'm kind of a a geek when it comes to uh, Greek mythology and philosophy and all that, that stuff. I actually had a, uh, enough credits, I don't think I actually declared it, but uh, to have a, a minor in humanities along with my anthropology degree. So I, I really get into studying history and, you know, some of these concepts have been around for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And so I went back to kind of look at the history, like where does, is this purpose and, and meaning and happiness stuff really coming from when it, it comes to the work that we do? And Aristotle used the work um, eudaimonia to describe the highest good humans could strive toward. And he described it as a life well lived. And scholars have sometimes translated that word to simply mean happiness. But really for Aristotle, it meant practicing virtues like courage, wisdom, good humor, kindness, and we know all things in moderation, right? So perhaps the word flourishing or prosperity is a better descriptor than the word happiness. And these words all bring up an image of one who's successful, happy, enjoys a good life, and perhaps has some good fortune. That never hurts, right? But I do think that our our good fortune comes our way when we take action, right? Without it, um, we don't give good fortune an opportunity to shine on us. Now, I also came across another um, concept called Ikigai that uh, the Japanese have. And this is also an ancient concept, but it really uh, translates to mean a a reason to get up in the morning or more eloquently, waking up to joy, just love the sound of that, waking up to joy. And it's related to the concept of being in flow, right? When you're, you're kind of in flow with the universe. And it's really our, when we have our best moments, when we, we're doing what we love, what we're good at. And if we're fortunate, it also brings value to the lives of others. So that's what we're going to talk about today: is how can we take all of the goodness, all these different elements, and and sort of wrap them up into one big ball of joy, so that when our feet hit the ground in the morning, when we wake up and are ready to get out of bed, we can't wait to start our day. Uh, that that's really what the essence of, of success and happiness means for me. So, uh, if you saw the the uh, post for this this talk. There was a picture of one of my uh, role models, an idol of mine when I was growing up, certainly in college, and that is Dr. Valerie Jane Morris Goodall, also known as Jade Goodall. She was born in England in 1934 and had a love of animals and nature. And when she was eight, she got inspired by Tarzan and Dr. Doolittle. In fact, her dream was to travel and work with animals. Now, she wasn't able to afford college, so she attended actually a secretarial school where, where she honed her typing, shorthand, and bookkeeping skills. But she still held on to that dream of going to Africa, so she saved every penny from waitressing and other odd jobs that she took on. And at age 23, she left England to go to Africa and visit some friends, uh, a friend living on a farm in Nairobi, Kenya. Well, on her way there, she, there's that good fortune smiling. She met Dr. Louis Leakey, the famous paleoanthropologist, and he offered her a job at a local natural history museum. So, and after a little while, Leakey asked her to study chimpanzees in the wild in Tanzania. Now, Jane's passion for animals and nature, her knowledge, her electric energy, and the drive that she demonstrated really led Dr. Leakey to know that, that she was the perfect person to study the chimpanzees. And he really saw Jane's lack of academic training in this field as a plus because then she wasn't biased by traditional preconceptions about, you know, what how you should study these, these um, creatures from an academic standpoint. She could really use a fresh, unbiased approach with her eyes as she watched these amazing animals and Dr Leakey had his own agenda because he felt like studying our closest living relatives we might be able to learn what our early human ancestors were like things that fossils alone could never show us. So Jane arrived by boat to the game reserve in July of 1960 she was escorted by her mom and a cook because the local officials wouldn't let her stay without an escort, you know, very, very proper time in, in history. Right. So her start, she got her start in, in doing this work with challenges, as is often the case, right? We embark on something new. She had malaria, uh, fever. She went for long periods of hiking through thick brush and really steep terrain without seeing a single chimp finally one older chimpanzee allowed her to observe them or observe him and when he did that it was really a signal to the other chimpanzee community to the rest of the the chimpanzee community and that the other group members also allowed jane to watch them And she actually made three groundbreaking observations that really challenged the conventional scientific assumptions of the day, which were one, chimps were omnivores. They weren't vegetarian. They even hunt for meat, which we didn't know. Number two, they use tools. And number three, they actually make their tools, which previously had been a characteristic that was reserved as how humans are defined is they make tools. Uh, Parenthetically, you know, other animals do not. And and she actually found out that no, chimps do make tools. So that was no longer a defining criteria of human beings. Now she continued her field work um, and in 1966 actually earned a PhD without an undergraduate degree. That's pretty unheard of, right? But Cambridge University senior scientists really didn't care for her methods. Again, she was not academically trained with the work that she did. For example, she named the chimps. Oh, for horror, right? You're supposed to give them numbers. And also for her view that they have emotions and personalities. So her first book, My Friends, the Wild Chimpanzees, that was published by National Geographic was actually written for the general public and not an academic audience. That kind of pissed him off. Jane's peers were outraged when her book actually gained this widespread popularity. So Dr. Goodall actually went on and worked at the Gombe Stream National Park for another 20 years after that. But then what happened, while she was attending a conference in 1986, she heard all of the speakers discussed this problem of deforestation at all their study sites around the world. And in early the in the early 1990s, she herself was shocked when she um, cruised around in an airplane and saw large-scale deforestation herself from the air near the preserve where she worked. She saw the nearby villages were rapidly expanding, and so she stepped up to try to protect the forest, and of course, her beloved chimps' critical habitat. At age 88, Jane still travels about 300 days a year, giving speeches, talking to government officials and business people around the globe encouraging them to support wildlife conservation and protect these critical habitats. She's still working hard to raise awareness and funding to protect the chimpanzees, their habitat, and the planet that we all share. Clearly, she's in flow and loves her work so much, I don't see her ever stopping work, right? So, I share that story with you to ask, how can we find our passion, use our talents, and bring value to others, and maybe get paid? And I want to use Jane's story to offer us some clues on what we can do to get in that flow like she is. So let's turn back for a moment to this concept of Ikigai. And remember, this is the intersection of your passion, your talents, and your potential to contribute to others or the world and get paid for it. So today in this talk, I'm going to briefly explain the concept and sort of how the different parts fit together. Next month, I'm going to be rolling out a custom training to help walk you through this process. And find your sweet spot, your zone of genius, where where you want to hang out and and do what you love and and make a contribution. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. C-A-R-I-B-E dot com. We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starving for adventure and new experiences? Ready to lower your living costs and upgrade your quality of life? Do you long for the freedom to live anywhere with the economic satisfaction of earning in paradise? Imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? You can live a happier, healthier, and more joyful life. Don't know where to start? Then grab our free paradise checklist to begin dreaming again and start defining your paradise. It's waiting for you at paradisechecklist.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. Now, in my book, Claim Your Dream Life, I actually explain two of these four steps in detail. And in the book, I call it the freedom formula. And if you're you know, not really needing to make extra income, that's probably enough. That will help you get the alignment of passions and skills together so that if you want to just do volunteer work, for example, or or work, you know, start a charity, something like that, um, those are the elements that you know you really want to get clear about so that you can do what you love. But this process, these exercises are really the exact same process that one of my mentors taught me when I was in a transition. And at the time, I was burned out. I knew I didn't want to continue the work I'd been doing, but I really had no idea what came next for me. And, of course, I had heard the saying, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So that I knew that was what I wanted. I wanted to be able to do work that I loved so it didn't feel like work. So I'm going to kind of walk you through this process in this uh, talk today. The first step is grab a notebook and a pen. And if you're driving, of course, you're not going to be able to do this, but uh, you can always go back and and listen to this part again, or better yet, grab a copy of my book and you've got uh, everything you need in there in terms of the instructions but I want you to start with writing down a list of the top 10 things that you're passionate about. What, and I'm going to give you some questions to help stimulate some ideas. What lights you up? What breaks your heart? What is it that makes you lose track of time? What would you do if money was not a concern at all? What are your hobbies or interests? And sometimes things come up really quickly and, and other times you need to, to think about them a little bit more. But really, I, I encourage you to come up with 10 things. And um, you know, you can you can even ask others to get get input from others, your your spouse or your partner or your kids or your best friend who knows you well, just you know. What is it when I talk about it, you really see me light up? I get excited about it. Other people can can help you uncover these things, like peeling back the layers of onion, right? Jane started, if you remember, at age eight, she got excited by Tarzan and Dr. Doolittle. She had a passion for animals and nature. And that's what really lit her up. And that's what really started her on her journey to doing the work that she loved. And of course it evolved, and that does happen. We can start off in one one direction, and then something else comes up. The the opportunity to work in conservation after she had worked to study these chimpanzees for decades and really made groundbreaking uh, discoveries in the process, she went on to the next thing, which was more about conservation. So then the next part of the exercise is to write down your top 10 skills. And in this exercise, you're really trying to uncover what am I really good at? We've all got God-given gifts and talents, skills we've picked up along the way. And, you know, maybe we try a skill. Maybe we're not that good at it. Maybe we try a different skill and we're, wow, we're really good at this, right? We don't know sometimes until we try. But here's some questions to stimulate ideas when it comes to jotting down your, your skills. What could you teach every single day? What questions do others ask? What do you want to, you know, what do you have expertise in that, that others come to you and they ask you, you know, how do I do this? What career or life experience do you have? What have you learned to overcome? We all get these obstacles and challenges put in front of us in our life that we have to Learn the skills to overcome. What have you overcome? What can you talk about for hours? What comes really easily and quickly for you? While Jane didn't pursue her dream right away, she certainly gained valuable skills along the way. Her typing, her shorthand, bookkeeping, I'm sure came in handy later after she found her dream career. So those are the two, the parts one and part two. The step three of the Ikigai model is a little bit more challenging. It's sometimes it's easier to, to really do that self-assessment and analyze ourself, But but then you are, now you're looking externally and you want to figure out what does the world need? And I know you've heard the Phrase necessity is the mother of invention, right? So maybe it's it's something that you've come across. A, a lot of inventions start that way. Somebody's like, "Oh, I wish there was this thing," right? And and they come up with it, and it can be very successful. And there's several ways you might approach this step, um, and that's why I think a, a training would be uh, helpful. In my case, the Overseas Life Redesign brand was born out of a need that we discovered. After we had moved to Isla Mujeres, we started meeting people. We were in a new area, uh, area we're like, let's go meet some people. Part of it, of course, were we had an incentive for marketing our vacation villa that we had just purchased and we were trying to get out the word about that, handing out business cards, what have you. And at the time we were also uh, Looking for uh, folks that might want to join us in our relationship marketing business. Uh, The company was in Mexico, so we, and, and also the US and Canada, and that's, you know, mostly who we ran into was folks from those from North America. So, but the other part of it is my husband Tom has never met a stranger. He loves to strike up random conversations. I do sometimes, but he's really fearless when it comes to that. So, you know, we would be going to the beach, for example meeting people and Tom would just strike up a conversation again you know uh do you come here often like if they come back every year like maybe they want to stay in our place but the people we kept meeting you know he'd say where are you from oh we're from Texas or we're from here we're from there and you know oh is this your first time here and and you know really start to ask them questions and then of course naturally, what would they do? They would ask us questions. Well, where are you? Where do you live? Where are you from? And we would say, well, we live here. And the astonishing responses we got back, you know, they were like, what? You live here? This is amazing. How is, that, how is that possible? How are you able to do that? And we just kept hearing these questions over and over and over. And people wanted to know, like, how do you buy property overseas? How do you move overseas? And we're like, hmm, people who really... Seem to want to know how to do this. And even my accountant in Florida before we had left said, Don, you know how many people want to do it? And you actually did it. So it, that prompted the whole concept, like how might I serve these people? And that's how I started the podcast, this podcast. That's how I ended up starting the workshops, which led to the book. That's how it all started was really how can I serve the world? How can I help people? What skills do I have? What passions are I passionate about it? I talked about it. So we all know online is the place to be, although a, a tr- traditional business can work. Of course, our vacation villa uh, was part of our income diversification strategy. But your task really with this this third step of the process is to figure out what's a problem the world helps needing to be solved. What, what can What problem can you solve? for someone. That's the exercise of the third step. Now, assuming you want or need to be paid, step four is what is something others will pay you for? Now, maybe you're passionate about or very good at writing poetry or creating art. Well, that's great. Go for it if you don't need to be paid for it. Otherwise, it might be challenging, right? Selling a book of poetry, for example, that, that could be a challenging uh, business model. Otherwise you might have to consider something else. And in my experience in, in working in this space for a long time, I find it's often easier to find someone that's doing something similar to what you're interested in doing, study them, see, you know, how are they monetizing it? How are they reaching people? And if they have a successful, you know, financially successful model, then you can, you don't copy it, but you can model what others do strategically. And so you can create something that works rather than starting from scratch or putting forth an unproven business concept doesn't really have a market already. Like you might have a really good idea, but if nobody's ever done it before, that means there's no market for it. And you're going to have to create a market. It's much easier if you can find a market that exists and cater to it, which is more what we've done with the Overseas Life Redesign brand. So a couple of comments before I close out today. And here's what I want to leave you with. I do want to share that just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's what you should do when it comes to finding joy in the work that we do. Because if it doesn't bring you joy, why do it? Well, I'm a very good contracts attorney. But sitting behind a desk, 8, 10, 12 hours a day, Pumping out legal documents was miserable. It did not bring me joy. So even though I was good at it, I made the conscious decision. This isn't the life that I want. This isn't going to bring me joy. So I'm not going to do it. And the other thing I want to leave you with is this process requires some patience. Sometimes answers appear right away. And if that happens for you, consider yourself very lucky and very blessed For most of us, the next step is really letting this all simmer and recruiting your subconscious to help guide you. Let your creativity go to work and guide you in the direction that's best. And if you feel stuck, ask those who know and care about you some of these questions, particularly, like I said, when it comes to your skills, identifying your skills. Another way that you can get some help is to ask for guidance in our overseas Life Redesign community on Circle. I really look forward to seeing you there and helping you figure out your sweet spot, your zone of genius, your ikigai. So have a great rest of the evening, and I'll see you on Circle. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit paradisechecklist.com and download our free Paradise Checklist to start your journey. We'd also love for you to become part of our Claim Your Dream Life community.